Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Newsweek's Foreign Service. I'm Josh Lowe. And I'm Marin Gitta. And each week we look at the big stories from the US and what they mean for the rest of the world. So I'm feeling really lucky this week because I swanned off to Istanbul and Josh and Jordan have done all the work for me. So Josh, tell me, what's this podcast about? What are we doing this week? I mean, I did feel like I wouldn't have to be explaining it to you just as we're about to begin the podcast. (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, it's um, we're looking at Facebook and more specifically what Facebook should be doing in the world and can it ever make the world a better place? And the reason we're doing that is last week, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's founder, put out an incredibly long 5,700 words manifesto for Facebook. And in it, he sets out some thoughts on what the company is and what it should be. And for all of Josh's sarcasm, I have, of course, read some of the manifesto. And it, it strikes me as a very sort of loose, uh, unspecific document. You know, it's there's a hell of a lot of jargon in there. And I mean, it, it does seem like he could have done with an editor to probably slice it down by a few thousand words. But the other thing that struck me about it, and lots of people have said this, is that it reads a bit like a manifesto, that perhaps Zuckerberg might be using it as a launching pad for a new political career. Yeah, I mean, people talk about the 2020 election and they throw out names like Joe Biden they throw out names like Kanye West. So maybe Mark Zuckerberg could be in there as well, a Democrat or Republican, who knows. But we do start to get some clues about what he sees uh, as his role in the world from this document. Um, And of course, we also get some sense of what Facebook actually is and what function it's supposed to provide. But anyway, given that neither me or Miran are technology experts, we thought we'd get in a couple of people who are. And before we go on, I'm just going to let them introduce themselves. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, I'm Alex Hearn. I am a technology features writer at The Guardian. I'm Anthony Cuthbertson. I'm a technology reporter at Newsweek. So before we get on to talking about Facebook in lots of detail and its future, um, we just want to look back to the uh, document that we talked about in the intro and why Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook are doing this uh, now. We've got the official line. He gave an interview for the BBC. He didn't want to be recorded, but this is their economics editor, Kamal Ahmed, explaining the basic thinking behind it. What does he say? It's certainly an interview that ranges far beyond the latest products for Facebook. He talks about globalization, the people left behind, the withdrawal from openness. He told me about the polarization of views, some of it exacerbated by social media, and he urges people to not just become upset, but to act. So that's the kind of official line, but I feel like it might have something to do with the recent election of Donald Trump, with some criticism he's had. So what's he doing here? Why has he done this now? It feels like it's timed around the election, doesn't it? I mean, firstly, just sort of, it feels weird to let that pass without acknowledging how deeply weird it is to give an interview with the BBC, which you're not allowed to record. Similarly, I believe a fair few of the interviews he did around this for print publications also required quote approval, which is, again, very weird. You know, this should be the ground from which we're examining this. Mark Zuckerberg is deeply sceptical of the press in general. But yeah, it's the election, right? The election came and went. Donald Trump was elected and a huge number of people blamed Facebook blamed Facebook's role in creating an ecosystem that allows fake news to thrive and Facebook's role in uh, the creation, enlargement and uh, entrenchment of filter bubbles, which meant that you could have a political climate in which a significant chunk of America uh, seemingly believed that Hillary Clinton was the head of a nationwide paedophile ring. That's, that's not normal. And a lot of people rightly think that Facebook had a part in the creation of that climate. And I think that's got to be seen as you know, the gr- the driving force behind this concern from Zook. But this manifesto seems so much bigger than than fake news because fake news is, I think, you know, a tiny part of what the manifesto addresses. And this is where I have to own up to the fact that I haven't read the full manifesto. I was saying to Alex earlier, I got bored halfway through <laughs> it. It's very long, but it it does seem like. I mean, it's for me, it seemed like one of two things. Either he's worried about Donald Trump's um, opposition towards globalization and is trying to address that or that he's trying to position himself as an opponent to Trump, as someone who actually might be setting himself up to run for public office. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that's one of the theories that he's eyeing the White House for either 2020 or 2024. Him versus Kanye, right? Him versus Kanye, yeah, let's hope so. That'll be an interesting presidential debate. Um, (laughs) And there's been other indicators for this. I think he... Uh, there was some paperwork that came up which showed that he will still be able to control Facebook even if he uh, has political office. Um, he's got himself a personal um, stylist or something it's like sort that. Sort of a, a, a political image consultant. A political yeah. image consultant, exactly. And then this letter is the latest thing. Oh, also, his New Year's resolution is to tour around America 
and yeah, visit every single state. Yeah, he started it today. State. Well, he technically actually started it last month when he had to go to a court case in Texas, um, to in which Facebook actually ended up losing for stealing virtual reality technology. Um, so that wasn't the best start to the tour. But today he posted that he was in Alabama visiting a local newspaper in which he says, aren't journalists great, but also I don't really agree with everything they say. Um, so, yes, he could be eyeing um, the White House, but he could also be seeing the head of Facebook as a political position in itself. Um, being the president of the US uh, is one thing, but being president of the world as head of Facebook is an entirely other thing that he might be looking at. I think that's that's a really important point. Like this letter is defensive uh, from from the very off. It's uh, it's clearly written with the understanding that a lot of people are very angry at Facebook, um, and so you know a significant chunk of it is sort of this this problem solution model where he owns up and accepts that there is some problem with Facebook's model. Be that it creates uh, communities which are very transient and which are united around weird irrelevant things to the fact that it allows for the spread of fake news and for the creation of filter bubbles and it's his attempt to try and do sort of this point counterpoint thing you say we're bad for this but actually we're doing this you say we're bad for this but actually our ai will solve it in three years uh you say we defund news but actually well he doesn't really provide a solution to that one um but kind of passes you by because he's so well because there's so bloody much of it um but no, I, I do. I, I think it's a defense of Facebook. I, I genuinely feel if you if you read it and look at the tone and, and imagine him sitting there feverishly bashing this out, because as I understand it, he wrote it largely off his own back, so filed it with his publicity department way over what we eventually saw. Um, and it was sort of hammered down, cleaned up. A few other points were added in. This is this is Mark Zuckerberg basically sitting in his cavernous lair with his AI-controlled uh, smart home going, they think I'm evil, but I'm not evil. How do I show them I'm good? Like so much of, of his, uh, his uh, chieftainship of Facebook, it's very much like uh, not quite getting how people work, but showing sort of a very structured understanding of how persuasion works, how convincing works, how public affairs work. And it's just going down that very methodically. They think I'm bad because Facebook does this, that and the other. Well, I will show them they're wrong and that will solve things. And that that's how that's how Mark Zuckerberg thinks. Everything I've seen suggests that. So getting on to one of the more specific problems that we've mentioned there, then there is this fake news point. Um, as Alex alluded to there, there were stories about Hillary Clinton throughout the election campaign, um, mad conspiracy theories about paedophilia. They're still coming out now during our Brexit campaign. To a lesser extent, we had some of it. This isn't just Facebook's problem, but something that some people say is that Facebook has kind of helped drive their growth, that some of these sites use. They kind of game Facebook's algorithm to get more hits. Um Initially, after the election, this kind of rose up as an issue. And, and I think he initially denied having much of a role in it. And uh, we've got a clip of him talking about that soon afterwards. I do think that there is a certain uh, profound lack of empathy in asserting that the only reason why someone could have voted the way they did is because they saw some fake news. Now, since then, he's sort of moved away from that position, hasn't he? So is he trying to address that now? And what about the ideas that are in this manifesto uh, to, to, to come back at it? Is, is that going to work? He, he does acknowledge fake news and filter bubbles. 
and says that maybe they played their part and that they're definitely a bad thing. Can I just jump in, Anthony? What is a filter bubble? It's where you only really see your own views sort of reflected back at you because your friends and the way Facebook's algorithm works is it prioritizes what it thinks you want to see, which is generally your own views. So you see you're in this little bubble, which is why half of America thought that Trump had no chance of winning and half of America was pretty certain that he would win. And these two sides were often in their own little bubbles. Okay, cool. As you are. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he addresses them about halfway down this uh, manifesto. But he doesn't really offer any concrete solutions. He's a bit wishy-washy in it. And I think um, Alex has a a very good piece where he annotates um, this whole um, post by Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Mirren. If you haven't read it, then it's worth reading. It's uh, it breaks it down very nicely. And or go to Newsweek and read our coverage. <laughs> he doesn't really offer any concrete solutions. He just throws up um, some vague ideas of what could be done. I mean, fake news is is a really tricky one for Facebook, and it's one of those ones where the only long term solution they're going to find is changing the debate because you know. Fake news is as hard for Facebook to deal with as it is for anyone else. No one can agree on a definition. If you ask people to cite five fake news sites, they will likely list four different ones and one obvious hoax set up by a teen in Macedonia. It's become a politically contested term. Any any term which the president is throwing at CNN as a term of abuse cannot be simultaneously used uh, to guide the policy for a multinational corporation. So you have this as the root problem that... By definition, there is no solution Mark Zuckerberg can offer, which will satisfy even a tiny proportion of what people think of as fake news. But more than that, really, when people blame Facebook for fake news, I don't think they're talking about the fact that that the very true problem that there is a lot of fake news on Facebook. They're talking about the fact that Facebook's platform uh, and its uh, filtering algorithm in particular are almost uniquely designed to help fake news spread uh, due precisely to the fact that it, it, it is all often deliberately crafted to back up these filter bubbles in a way that real news obviously can't be quite so perfectly crafted because real news has to bear some relation to what's going on in the real world. And one thing I got from from the chunk of the manifesto that I did read before I got kind of confused because it is quite jargony. There's very little like specificity um, in it and it's incredibly long. But the, the main takeaway I got was that Mark Zuckerberg wants to create this sort of idealised global community. And one thing that really strikes me about Facebook and Twitter actually to a much greater extent, but we're talking about Facebook, is that it it creates a lot of polarization, right? I mean, Anthony, you were talking about filter bubbles. I'm using it now that I've learned it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it it very much puts us in different groups where there are people who bandy together because they are the same politically, but then they're, you know, in opposition with other groups of people. And there's a lot of hatred on sites like Facebook as well. I mean, when you read the comments on some articles, I mean, it's it's pretty awful. So what can Mark Zuckerberg do about this polarization? Because the type of community that Facebook is creating can often be really nasty. He mentions this polarization and he again says it's not really Facebook's fault that this has happened. I think one of uh, Mark Zuckerberg's um, problems and Facebook's problems is that in a very short space of time, it's gone from a social network to a media juggernaut in which the producers of content are the users and the editors are either Facebook's own algorithms or the users themselves. So he's suggested um, now that Facebook should take a more hands-off approach and that users 
should be able to choose which posts they see. Or if they don't want to um, editorialize themselves, then they will um, fall back onto Facebook's algorithm. And artificial intelligence, again, was a big part of this uh, manifesto that he talks about. It's really very, very hopeful that AI will just he, solve yes. all of these Yeah, he problems. keeps throwing in kind of references to artificial intelligence. I mean, like, how, how could a, a, an artificial intelligence, in theory, uh, change any of this? Well, it would work out what are the articles that are being read in your local area. Also, like Alex said, which ones... Um, of people just sharing without reading, um, and it'll then um, put that onto your news feed. It'll prioritize certain features. But it's it's a very um, untested approach, let's say. They did hire uh, human beings for j- journalists that were going to um, do this for them, but they eventually fired them, and it turns out the human beings were just training the AIs. So... I am always I'm I'm perpetually amazed by how much AI research in Silicon Valley is solving incredibly hard questions of AI to do incredibly simple tasks. You know, Facebook is really really going quite hard in on complex difficult uh, natural language understanding to work out the difference between a news report and terrorist propaganda. And it's like this is something which it could hire you know, 500 people at minimum wage and do scalable for its organization forever. But it doesn't it, it doesn't want to. Politically, it cannot say humans have done this. It needs that weird, strange objectivity that comes with setting a computer to it. Similarly, YouTube's trying to do the same thing, trying to trying to craft AI uh, for parental controls, essentially. Like it, it needs to build a machine that can watch and understand videos work out which contain obscenity just so kids don't watch PewDiePie making anti-Semitic comments. Like it's it's this wild disparity between effort and potential reward until you get to the scale that these companies are operating on. But it doesn't really work, does it? Because Anthony was talking about when they fired all the, the people and replaced them with robots. And didn't that go like horribly, horribly <laughs> wrong? I mean, it, you, yeah, it, it didn't it go great. I mean, like you very quickly saw... Uh, a huge amount of garbage yep. promoted on Facebook's uh, trending posts and and fake news. Actual straightforward hoaxes made it onto Facebook's trending bar. At the same time, for Facebook, what that did is it removed one source of criticism, which is that it was artificially uh, promoting left-wing and centrist news sites over right-wing news sites. It could then point to the algorithm and go, AI's doing it. It traded in one set of criticisms for another and at least at the time, I think it was probably correct that the criticisms that Facebook was politically biased would be far more damaging for it amongst its user base than the criticisms that Facebook promotes a fake story daily. But on that, like, aren't you going to get into a bit of trouble commercially when you're dealing with a user base that many of whom don't really care that much about whether they're seeing fake or real news, but might get bored if they start seeing stuff that they don't really want to read and is outside of their filter bubble. Like there is a reason why Facebook started to encourage people to retreat into these filter bubbles, right? Is that people love being fed stuff that they agree with. Exactly. Facebook know very well how to uh, get people interested and keep them engaged. I think it's close to 2 billion monthly active users, which is incredible and also insane that it doesn't really know what it is anymore. I think it's And this rambling um, post by Mark Zuckerberg kind of shows that, that it's become this huge uh, phenomenon that is uh, providing news. um, And in doing so, it's really disrupting 
traditional news organizations and kind of taking away all their money. I think between Facebook and Google, they account for 85% of all online advertising revenue. And that's obviously leaving just 15% for traditional media and everybody else. So at the same time as trying to say how important local news is, it's also killing it. I mean, I'm mindful that we're a group of four journalists. So we sort of talk about Facebook in terms of it being a media organisation because we're obviously aware that all of our publications have suffered from Facebook arriving because, as Anthony said, it took a huge chunk out of ad revenue. We've also suffered because of the rise of fake news, you know, the corresponding loss of trust in journalists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what is Facebook? Because for most people, Facebook is where you message your friends and you post pictures and you join groups devoted to dogs. That's what I use Facebook for pretty much. <laughs> And there's a clip, I think it's from late last year, it's Mark Zuckerberg in conversation with Sheryl Sandberg, who's the COO, and he's sort of trying to tell her what he thinks Facebook is. You know, Facebook is a new kind of platform. You know, it's, it's not a traditional technology company. It's not a traditional media company. You know, we, we build technology, but, um, you know, we, we feel responsible for how, it, how it's used. Um, we, don't, we don't write the news that people, uh, that people read on the platform, but at the same time, we also know that we do a lot more than just distribute news and 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 we're we're an important part of the the public discourse. So lots of knots there, really. Sounds about as confused as uh, we both are, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, I mean, because it's not technology, it's not media. So what is it? Well, it does (laughs) provide some important services. For example, the um, when there's a disaster in the world and it says it has the I'm safe function, which can tell you if uh, friends and family members are safe. Uh, Refugees can use it to band together and find accommodation. Um, but it gets can, into trouble with some of these things. Right? Oh, absolutely, like yeah. Thing. It has some complete disasters where it reports things that never even happened, such, such as a Thailand uh, disaster. This is a thing. Like, Mark Zuckerberg says we don't write the news, but actually Facebook does. It writes boring, bland news, which won't change the world and which it tries to keep as inoffensive as possible. But every time you open Facebook and it tells you, like, it's Friends Day today... <laughs> or, you know, or other more real holidays, or when it tells you the weather. These are all editorial functions which Facebook is doing. Whether or not that was true when Zuckerberg spoke to Sandberg, it's certainly not true now. Facebook does write the news. It just It's crap and boring, and it turns to its uh, editorial partners to do the actual interesting stuff. Uh, is it becoming kind of an internet within the internet then, basically? Like it's got a newspaper, it's got uh, messaging functions, it's got, uh, you know, other communications functions, it's got content uh, for entertainment. Like, is it effectively like gradually swallowing a whole part of the internet and building something within? Yes, well, Mark Zuckerberg, has, through his internet.org, says he wants to connect the world to the internet, but it's really he wants to connect the world to Facebook because Facebook, as you say, is becoming more and more the internet and the functions it provides. Uh, He got in trouble, or Facebook got in a bit of trouble in India when they rolled out Free Basics, which was meant to uh, provide free internet to um, millions of people. But it breached net neutrality in that it only offered very limited services, uh, mostly just Facebook, really. It's just a way to push out Facebook. I mean, they're launching satellites and drones and balloons and whatever to try and bring internet to the world but it's ultimately him just trying to bring facebook to the world in some ways the the best comparison for what facebook wants to be is um sort of 25 years ago uh, it, it's CompuServe, it's aol it was these early titans of the dial-up web who provided portals 
and who sincerely hoped that the way you would get rich off the web was by basically not offering access to the web, by offering access to your own small cut-down version of it where you could you know, gain these platform uh, privileges and charge people to be on it. You could uh, prune whether or not you wanted, for instance, adult services on it. You could go, no, no, AOL is a family-friendly internet, so we will not have pornography on the internet at all. And you could do that, and that worked for a while until consumers and eventually AOL and CompuServe themselves realized that you could get more stuff by removing these filters, by uh, opening up the entire web to everyone, and that there was no way this cut-down AOL internet could ever compete with the real one. What Facebook is hoping to offer is a cut-down internet which can compete with the real one, that what you lose in not having access to the entire rest of the web, you gain in that it's really easy to connect to individuals, in that it's hooked in with the rest of your social network. You don't need to do something awkward like copying a URL. You just hit share and then it's done. So even though you might want to go on the web, Facebook is just this frictionless alternative to it, which these days contains within it a huge chunk of the web. I want to just go back to looking at, at Zuckerberg because and this point that, you know, he might be uh, considering a move for public office, whatever office that might be remains to be seen. I mean, what what do you think from your knowledge of him, from the interviews you've seen? You know, would he make a good politician? Because I just keep thinking about that video he made with um, AI, you know, the one where he's in his home and he's talking about... And Morgan this, Freeman's the AI. That's it. Yeah. And he is so robotic. That's Zuckerberg, not the AI character. Morgan Freeman's great. <laughs> But Zuckerberg is so robotic. Morgan Freeman has played the president in a film. <laughs> he would basically be the president. I just fail to see how a man like that could really run for public office. But perhaps oh, sure. I'm wrong. No, no. He, he, I mean, he could run. Oh, anyway, yeah, anyone course, can run. Yeah. He can throw He's billions at whatever richest he wants. man in the world. Yeah. He could definitely um, to run. He'd be, he'd be terrible. Um, you know, one of, one of the things about, about Mark Zuckerberg and about really any sort of um, famous apolitical celebrity um, is you can project on him whatever you want. A lot of people who are going, you know, oh, maybe Zuckerberg will come in in 2020 or 2024 and save us, um, are kind of assuming he shares their views. In actual fact, the only, the only politics we've heard from Mark Zuckerberg is basically two camps. One is stuff which is good for Facebook. So we know Mark Zuckerberg is fairly pro-net neutrality because that does help Facebook, except when he's pro-breaching net neutrality in ways that help Facebook. Similarly, we know that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't really like having to pay tax to repatriate income into America. Like most tech companies, he makes a, Facebook makes a lot of money from overseas and uh, US corporate tax rates are very high and he's hoping for a repatriation holiday. That's one set of things. Mark Zuckerberg likes things that help Facebook. The other is Mark Zuckerberg hates things that everyone else hates, like disease. Disease is really bad and Mark Zuckerberg has taken a strong public stand <laughs> against disease. And I think we're all very happy that he's taken that brave stand, arguing that illness is bad and he wants to end it. But terrorism the, as well, right? Right, he's, yeah. He's, he's he also thinks terrorism is bad. These are strong stances that Mark Zuckerberg has made. Everything in the middle of that, we don't know what he what he wants, what he's like. There's one uh, one piece of scuttlebutt that's going around the valley is that if he does run, he would probably run as a Republican. Because actually that's his family background. So uh, another billionaire running right, running to be president. Right, just marginally more connected to reality than the current one. So maybe that would be a step up. Um, but no, like... He's he's shown nothing other than unimaginable wealth to suggest that he could be elected president. But unimaginable wealth is a pretty solid criterion for being elected president, it seems. 
Yeah, I agree. I can't tell whether Mark Zuckerberg is a goofy philanthropist or a power-hungry dictator who wants to control the world in the way it see- he sees it. Um, it's very hard to tell, like you said, Mirren, that he's quite robotic. Um, uh, he has pledged to give away his billions and he does all these other philanthropic things. But ultimately, there's other things he does like that just show that he wants Facebook to have more users and to make more money. And it's really hard to tell from his public persona whether he's this sort of geeky guy that likes to make AI bots for his own home or whether he is um, a man with great ambition to be a political figure and seen as one of the great thought leaders of our time. But I think it comes back to what we were saying earlier is to a certain extent whether he wants to run for office in four or eight years is is moot because what he does want very much is that sort of public image now. Uh, He wants to be seen as a statesman and currently he's not. Currently he is seen as the goofy robotic CEO of the social network which even if people cognitively understand its power nonetheless most of the world still thinks of Facebook as a vaguely goofy thing um, he, he wants that to change he wants to be seen as a viable international elder statesman in his own right he basically wants to follow the Bill Gates path uh, he is the Bill Gates of this decade and just as Bill Gates got famous for being you know personally and personally lovely outgoing philanthropic professionally utterly amoral and the creator of this this completely ubiquitous product, who then moved into being this quite nice person. You know, you trust Bill Gates. Bill Gates does good things with There's the world. There's that Amazing Simpsons episode where he smashes Homer's uh, technology Right, company. and <laughs> you could replace Mark Zuckerberg in that scene, frame for frame. There, there is no part of Mark Zuckerberg's 2017 stereotype that wouldn't fit him in that 90s stereotype of Bill Gates. He even quotes Bill Gates... In yeah, his it, 5,700 un, Unsighted, which I find fascinating. He, uh, Bill Gates is, uh, the, the, the quote from Bill Gates's book, The Road Ahead, is that uh, something along the lines of technology often fails to impress us with how far it gets in two years and blows us away with how far it gets in 10 years. It's, th- it's that idea. And Mark Zuckerberg cites it as, there is a saying that <laughs> some, some people have said. It's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's Bill Gates. It's like, he's one of four people in the world who's richer than you. You, you know he said that. So we've talked a bit there about Mark Zuckerberg. We're running towards the end now, but just quickly from both of you, can Facebook be ever a force for good? Yes, I already think it is a force for good in some of the things it's doing. Um, It is a noble ambition to connect the world to the internet, even if it is just Facebook. Facebook's probably better than nothing. But ultimately, I just don't know with Mark Zuckerberg what he's doing. And I, I don't think we will know until maybe 2020 or 2024. And I, I think, no, I, you know, there are a lot of Silicon Valley titans which have an ambiguous effect on the world, but Facebook is the only one which I think is solidly veering towards a negative. I think the open web is good. I think the web has had an absolutely transformative effect on the world. And I think fundamental, a fundamental part of Facebook's corporate ambition is to destroy the open web and to replace it with Facebook. And I think almost no matter what it did with that power, it couldn't make up for the destruction that it had to do to get itself in that position. 
Well, I think that's all we've got time for. I'm really sad to wrap up this show because it was so interesting. Uh, thank you so much, Alex and Anthony, for coming on the show. Thanks as ever to our lovely producer, Jordan Savile. And thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, just a reminder that you can catch us every week on SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast. Don't forget to subscribe to us, rate us. We say it every week, but it would mean so much to us. And if you can't wait till next week, visit us at newsweek.com or pick up a copy of Newsweek. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.